Welcome to the first episode of The Night Bus, a quirky mixture of star citizen fact, fiction, and opinion. I'm your host, Alisiana, from alisianasworld.com. I originally conceived the idea of The Night Bus as a vehicle for discussing current events within the star citizen community. The good, the bad, the absolutely insane. While weaving in fan fiction and lore, this is very experimental and the format may change as we go. This week's episode will contain the first reading from Bryony's Dilemma, a short story I've been working on as a piece of interactive fiction. These serialized readings will contain the primary storyline choices. I'll also be discussing The Great Melting of November 2016. CIG's decision to release an abbreviated internal development schedule. Spectrum, I await thee. Please sit back and relax, and I'll see you on the other side. Exiting stasis, the night bus departing in three, two, one. It's that time of year again when CIG reactivates the ability to pledge for ships not regularly available. This year's November livestream played out as a grand tour of concept ships, similar to a Grand Prix, punctuated with an animated announcer and booth babes. I enjoyed the tongue-in-cheek RP way in which the event was handled. During the Grand Tour, ships were reactivated in the pledge store by manufacturer, with each day highlighting specific ones. This would be followed by a finale where all the ships would be available again for a limited time. The only day that mattered to me was Wednesday, the day Origin Jump Works would be on display. I've wanted an Origin Jump Works 890 for a long time. The original concept happened at a time when I wasn't prepared to contribute $600 toward a single ship in Star Citizen. I was pledged with a modest freelancer package. I'd gifted other packages to friends, but for the most part, I was off enjoying other MMOs, while Star Citizen did its thing in the development crockpot. Jump forward two years and things are very different. I've dug into the game, enjoy what I see, am confident in Chris Roberts' vision, and have upped the ante considerably. One of the adventures I'm hoping to have is the ability to host murder mysteries and dinner theater tours aboard the luxurious 890 Jump. These would be RP-themed events while traveling to various ports of call, and I don't think I'd have a problem booking paying customers for such events. The sticky part of acquiring the 890 Jump is that I've hit my personal ceiling for pledges. Moreover, the 890 is a limited hull ship that's not always made available for pledging even during special events. This will be the first time it's been offered since the original concept ship, and it's being done in limited quantities. Once the game goes live, it will remain exclusive with a limited number being produced per year in the persistent universe. I'm so certain that I want this ship, and it would tie in very nicely to things I enjoy most about MMOs, my fascination with the Star Citizen lore, and dabbling in writing fan fiction that I'm willing to melt for store credit. Seven of my existing ships, even though there's no guarantee I'll be able to grab an 890 during the sale. Here's hoping that I do, 
Otherwise, it's going to be a sad day of figuring out what to do with that amount of store credit, having melted ships not routinely available for pledging. I'm not alone in melting ships to change my fleet configuration. There are lots of threads on Reddit where people are discussing the same, some asking for advice. Making sweeping changes to the ships you've pledged for can be scary. How did you fare during the great melting of November 2016? Change a little or a lot? What motivated you to make changes at all? Was there something special you just had to have? Inquiring minds want to know. CIG releases an abbreviated internal schedule. It often feels as though CIG can't win if they do or don't. If they say they're aiming for, targeting to, hoping to, planning to, and tie those intentions to dates, a portion of the community is up in arms when those dates aren't met. As a result, we have had a period of several months where CIG stopped giving dates altogether because, frankly, part of this community can't handle it. As could be expected, another part of the community starts riding shotgun on their ambulance about CIG not giving us details or communicating openly enough. They give us estimates and we crucify them. They don't and we crucify them. Sure as hell glad I'm not one of them and can ignore the vocal minority on both ends of the spectrum by clicking the X on my browser. The November Grand Tour livestream concluded with Chris Roberts releasing a letter from the chairman on robertspaceindustries.com. After thanking us for our support, he discussed the woes of giving or not giving estimated patch dates. He mentioned that after a long time deliberating internally, they've decided to release an abbreviated version of their internal schedule. The schedule will be updated weekly and contains the current estimates on completing work for the upcoming patch. In this case, that's for Alpha 2.6. I sympathize heavily with CIG and the slips the project has encountered. You don't know what you don't know when you're inventing. That said, I personally feel that perhaps their risk management could be a bit stronger, which could lead them to consider alternatives sooner and avoid the all-or-nothing scenarios witnessed recently, such as when the Squadron 42 slice they wanted to show for Sitcon had to be pulled just days before the presentation. This resulted in a slide-heavy show that many complained about. I hope people read the letter that accompanied the first publication of the internal schedule. The dates are not written in stone, not signed with blood, and do not have their next born being held as hostage. These are estimates which can change. Kudos to CIG for releasing it. It's rather unprecedented. Hopefully, the community and the haters won't make them regret it. Then again, they were damned even if they didn't. What do you think about CIG releasing their internal schedule? What's your prediction for the community reaction when dates change as they inevitably will? Spectrum, I await thee. Spectrum will be many things in Star Citizen. It will contain the redesign of the website, including the forums. It will contain what was for a time called Orgs 2.0 
web features and enhancements to help orgs manage users and content. It will replace the contact system in place and add voice over IP communication and lots more all rolled into a single platform. Personally, I'm looking forward to it. I really prefer to have all communications built on the Star Citizen platform where possible, including comms. I'm not a fan of using third-party tools. It gets really old when you play multiple games and belong to multiple communities. This group prefers Raid Call. That group prefers TeamSpeak. These folks are on Discord. I have enough logins and passwords to suit me for a lifetime. More importantly for me is that Star Citizen draws a lot of haters and outside observers. I'm not really interested in being in comms with people who don't actually own the game. Big online games and large audiences bring drama, period. They always have. On external platforms, especially something free like Discord, there are no consequences for your actions. You can get banned, create a new account, and be back to stir the pot again. I'm here to play a game and enjoy myself, not deal with trolls or pot stirrers. Being on CIG's platform means there can be account impacting consequences for acting the fool like being banned from the platform for having your actual game account suspended or squelched. Sorry, I want to be in an environment where people can't run amok and degrade the enjoyment of others over their lack of self-control. On a happier note, if the system makes creating and managing an org possible without needing third-party tools such as a separate site and forums, I'd love to create an org for family and friends. I almost always have a family-only org on an alt character in every MMO. This allows us to control who the younger kids interact with to a degree. It allows us to share in-game money and gear with them. When there's guild housing, it also lets us establish our own home base and club of sorts, which the young people always get a kick out of. I hope Spectrum has features to simplify org management as I'd really like to create a family org, but if doing so requires too much overhead, I simply don't have the time. What are your thoughts on Spectrum? Looking forward to it or you just don't care? Bryony's Dilemma by Aliciana Noir Art Corp, Area 18, Outside Sleep Pod Barracks Number 21 Fog laps at the edges of a dimly lit street. Debris turns to mush in shallow pools of rain. Vermin scurry, snatching morsels from overflowing trash bins. A neon marquee flickers intermittently, then fades to black before restarting. Letters scroll by identifying Pod Barracks 21, a row of nondescript cement towers. You're asleep inside Sleep Pod 16. Over the hum of the air recycler, you hear the rat-a-tat of raindrops pelting the pavement outside. Ugh, just what you need. Your chest rumbles when you breathe. You shiver and wipe beads of sweat off your forehead. Not yet. More sleep. Exhaustion drags you back under. 
your eyelids clamp shut. Heavy as a stone, you plummet into blackness. Time stands still until... Beep! 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 A loud beeping ricochets around the pod. You flay a hand over your exposed ear as if swatting a mosquito. Yawning, your wits begin knitting themselves back into place. Alarm clock. You groan. Your stomach grumbles. From muscle memory, you whack the button on the panel overhead. Silence. Ah, sweet, sweet snooze. Curling into a ball, you grab a fistful of blanket and drift back to sleep. Precisely 15 minutes after hitting the snooze button for the second time, your sleeping palate begins to vibrate. Muscles and joints protest. You groan, but can't afford to be late. Gingerly, you roll over onto your back, turn off the alarm, and flip on the lights. You take a moment to wake up more fully and gain your bearings. You're in a stark white, claustrophobia-inducing fiberglass tube. Pinpricks in the ceiling cast diffused light. Cubby holes of varying sizes line the curved side walls. Your UEE dog tag and Moby glass are in the cubby closest to you. Yesterday's uniform and work boots are in a heap at your feet. Propped on an elbow, you grab your dog tag and slip it over your head and clip your Moby glass to your wrist. You inch toward the pod's entrance by sliding on your butt. Before deactivating the door lock with your heel, you check to make sure that your PJs is still snapped shut. The pod door hisses as it retracts. You scoot into a sitting position, your legs dangling out over the edge of the sleeping pod. Your slippers are hanging on a nearby hook. You mindlessly put them on while rummaging in the wardrobe inset in the wall on your right. You hop down into the growing throng of residents prepping for the 0500 shift change. They're in various states of undress. You nod mourning to familiar faces, fellow transients and low-wage workers at an industrial facility or landing dock here on ArtCorp. You check that you have everything you need to get going. A bathroom kit is wedged under your right arm, work boots attached by their laces slung over the opposite shoulder. A freshly laundered uniform is on a hanger in your right hand. When you turn to head toward the restrooms, you see Naomi. Punctual to a fault, she's already dressed in the drab and common olive-colored jumpsuit you all wear. Waving a hand back and forth, you croak out her name once, twice. Naomi, Naomi. It takes her a moment to figure out who's calling her name. When she realizes it's you, she smiles and heads your way. What's doing? Her voice is light and cheerful. Curse her, it's too early to be so chipper. Nothing much, heading to the salt mines. You hold up your uniform as evidence. She laughs. Ouch, still shuffling crates? You nod in disgust. Her mouth puckers as if tasting something sour. Damn, short an experience, but you've got certs. You're seized by a coughing fit just as you're about to reply. You have to clear your throat a couple of times before you can speak again. Tell me about it. As your coughing continues, her face takes on a yikes look. That sounds nasty. She mockingly takes a step back. Taking anything? Didn't want to spend the creds. Trying to get out of this dump. At least get a real room. She laughs, you and me both. 
she adopts a more serious tone. Still salty, I never got moved into the manager dorms like my contract says, but who the hell am I going to complain to? You rub your throat, which is starting to burn. Exactly. I don't push because it could be worse. We dropped a hundred freshies last week. No warning. No free ride off the world like the contract says. They're basically screwed. Punching you on the shoulder, she adds. These days, steady creds, couple of meals, and a bed is the dream. Pointedly looking around, you reply in disgust. Yeah, it's the dream, all right. Inside, you're disappointed with yourself and your situation. Most of all, your stupid choices that landed you here in the first place. Naomi's voice pulls you out of your reverie. Checking her movie glass, she says, Better get moving. Don't be late. I'll catch you later. You nod in agreement and turn to walk away. As an afterthought, over your shoulder you call out, Grub later? Sure, meet you at the G after the shift. To be continued. That wraps up our first episode of The Night Bus. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please consider subscribing to my channel and giving the episode a thumbs up. Be kind and fly safe. This is Alyssiana signing off until next time. The Night Bus has arrived. Please watch your step while departing. This ship will re-enter stasis in three, two, one.